For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Praise the Lord. Embrace the love. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to open your Bible to John, John chapter 7, the Gospel of John chapter 7 and verse number 25 is where we're going to start today. And while you're turning in, turning there, I'd like to invite you to go to our website, crossboundministry.com, and sign up for our newsletter. And in doing so, I'll send you a free e-booklet on what happens to a Christian right after they die. What happens the moment your heart stops beating? What happens next for a Christian? So John chapter 7, verse 25, and here we're going through where Jesus and the Pharisees are coming after Jesus. They don't like him. They're persecuting him. They're wanting to get rid of him. And so in verse 25, then it said some of them of Jerusalem, is not this he whom they seek to kill? You know, by this time, it had become well known in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders, they did not like the Savior. They were plotting against him. They wanted to get rid of him any way that they could. How dare you come in and take some of our power away? And so here's some of the common people asked, is this not the one whom the rulers seek to kill, to punish, to get rid of? Verse 26, but lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Do you know what they're saying there? They said, hey, isn't this the Savior? Isn't this Jesus, the one whom they're seeking to kill? But he speaketh so boldly. He's preaching boldly. He's teaching boldly. And yet they are saying nothing to him, but yet they want to kill him. And they ask that question, do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Hey, they couldn't understand that Lord Jesus was, they were just allowing Jesus to speak, allowing him to preach when they really wanted to kill him. The common folks didn't understand why the religious leaders were allowing him to do that. And so if the rulers hated him as much as the people knew and believed that they hated him, how could they let Jesus continue? But can I say, nobody can stop the work of God unless God allows it. Amen. And Jesus's time had not yet come. It is possible they had come to find out that he was the truly Messiah. After all, the common people did. They looked at it and said, hey, there's something going on here. This is not just some regular man. Verse 27, John 7, 27. How be it, we know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. The people who did not believe Jesus to be the Messiah thought they knew where he had came from. They believed, and they were right in part, they believed he was from Nazareth, and that's where he was from. 
They thought, hey, we knew his mother, Mary. We know his supposed father, Joseph. We know his parents. We know where your house is at. We know what street you live on. We know what neighborhood you come from. Hey, they thought they really knew Jesus. They had no idea that he was born a baby and grown up a man, and not just any man, but the God-man. See, he was fully man, but yet he was fully God. Amen. He was God robed in human flesh, and he come to save the world. And so they're looking at him in kind of disbelief, like, what? You're you're the Messiah? You're the Savior? You're from heaven? We know your parents. We know what house you grew up in. We know, and that, that would be hard to swallow, wouldn't it? Hey, I know who your parents are. I know who you are. I know where you grew up. But hey, it wasn't just any man. He is the God man. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, verse 28. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught saying, ye both know me, and ye know whence I am, and I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. Did you catch that? He cried out, hey, you know me, you know where I came from, you know me, but you don't know who sent me. You don't know that one. See, the only way to know God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is our intercessor between us and God. You cannot get to God without going through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. No man means no man, no person at all. Amen. But Jesus, he is our high priest. And so you have the right to approach God. You don't have to go to a priest or to to a religious person or anything like that. You have the right to approach God through the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're born again. So Jesus cried out to the people who had gathered. They did indeed know him. He said, and knew him and where I came from. He was saying that he, he they knew him simply as a man. They didn't know him as Jesus the Savior. They knew him as Jesus from Nazareth. But what they did not know is that he was from God Almighty. God sent him. This was what he come to explain to them. This is why he was preaching. This is why he's proclaiming the truth. Amen. The Lord Jesus made a direct claim to be equality. I am equal with God. I am equal with the Father. Amen. And yes, he is. He is God in the flesh. He is equal with God. He was one with God. Even though there's three parts, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that those three are one. Amen. So he did not come of himself, that is, under his own authority, but he came from the Father, which has sent him. He had been sent to the world by the one true living God, the one that spoke this earth into existence with his mere words, the one that spoke the galaxies, the sun and the sea, the earth and the moon into existence with his mere words. That's how powerful his words are, amen? And so that's who Jesus saying, that's who sent me, that is my father, that is who I am from, amen? John chapter seven, next verse, verse 29. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Jesus saying, you don't know him, but I know him because I'm from him. I'm a part of him. I am him, and he has sent me. See, he dwelt with God from all eternity, 
and was equal in all aspects with God the Father in every way possible. And he dwelt with God from all eternity. We cannot even wrap our mind around that. Oh, we try and we try to explain it and we have definitions, but see everything in our world, in this physical world has a beginning and an end. But in the spiritual realm, the Bible says that it's an eternity. There's no ending and there's no beginning. Amen. And so, for when the Lord said that he was from God, he did not simply mean that he was sent from God, but that he was living as God, equal with him in all respects. With all respects, God in the flesh. He sent me. I am part of the Lord. Jesus is making the clearest statement here to say, I am the Christ. I am the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the one that God sent. I am the Messiah in the flesh. Amen. I am the one sent to redeem the world from the penalty of sin, to make the wrongs right. That's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't come for the righteous or the holy. No, he came for the low, down, dirty, rotten sinners like me. Amen. That's who he came for. Verse 30. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. Hey, the power of God preserve the Lord Jesus from those wicked schemes. And let me just tell you, God can do something in your life. He can reserve and hold you back until his work is completed in your life. God held them back. The Bible says, but no man laid hands on him. It wasn't time yet. Verse 31, and many of the people believed on him. Did you hear that? And many of the people believed on him and said, when Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man does? Now, what more could Jesus do to prove that he was a Messiah? He's preaching boldly. He's doing miracles. He's healing the sick, making the blind to see, making the lame to walk. And here, I think it's kind of a smart aleck question because it says many believed. And then at the end, it says, what more could the Christ do? What more could the Messiah that's supposedly coming? They knew that he was the Messiah. And so when the Christ came, if Jesus was not the Messiah, would he be able to do more numerous or more wonderful signs than Jesus? No, he would not. Nobody can. Obviously, from their question, they believe the miracles of Jesus proved him to be the real Messiah. That's what he was doing with them miracles, was proven, I am sent from God. No man can do the things that I do. No man can breathe life into another human being except for God himself, which is Jesus. Amen. John chapter 7 and verse 32, the next verse, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisee and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Verse 33, Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. The words of verse 33, they undoubtedly, they're spoken to the officers who came to arrest him. The ones that the Pharisees had sent to get Jesus, arrest him, and bring him back to us that we may do what we want to him. And when they got there, you know, the words of Jesus are piercing. They are sharper than a two-edged sword. The Bible says they cut to the joint and to the marrow. 
And so this only made the Pharisees angry. It only made them angry. In verse 34, ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. In a coming day, you see the Pharisees, they would, they would look for a savior. They would need a savior, but they would not be able to find a savior because Jesus said, I will no longer be here. And they didn't understand that. They thought, well, maybe he's going to another town. Maybe he's going somewhere else to preach. But no, he was going to go back to heaven to be with the heavenly father. There would come a time in their lives, a time when they would need a savior, but it would be too late is what Jesus is saying. You're going to realize one day you're in need of a Savior, but when you finally realize it, it's going to be too late. Can I just say, if you're under the sound of my voice and you can hear me, it's not too late for you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And listen, this is a very scary thing, what he is telling these people. He's letting them know that one day you're going to realize that you need a Savior to save you from the fires of hell. But when that, that, that day comes, it's going to be too late. That's a hard saying. Amen. It sure is. The words of this verse are especially solemn. They remind us that there is such a thing as a passing opportunity. See, the Holy Spirit will come to you. He will convict you. He will draw you. He will rule you. He will tell you that you need to be saved and that Jesus is the only way. And if you reject him, the Bible talks about that's the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. You reject him and you're only going to reject him so many times, so many times. And that, that opportunity will pass. You say, well, when is that? Nobody knows but God. He may come to you 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. I don't know. But my advice to you is don't reject him the first time. The first time that he comes to you, that's when you accept him. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So men may have the opportunity to be saved, but if they reject it, they may never have the opportunity again. If you have the opportunity today, don't reject it. Accept him today as your Lord and Savior because he's telling these Pharisees, these religious people, that one day you're really going to realize that you're going to burn in the devil's hell. The Bible says there's weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, gnawing of tongues, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, but you do not have to go there. He's telling them, I love you enough. I would die for you. Even the Roman soldier that nailed him to the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, and he would save him if he put his faith and trust in him how much more would he save you the bible says today is the day of salvation and this verse is to you too if you're not saved you need to be careful hey don't wait don't put it off don't go to church and to another church surface and put some money in the plate and try to be a good person and earn your way you can't do it you've got to humble yourselves and put your faith and trust in jesus christ don't wait till it's too late boy before you realize hey i needed that savior but it's too late that's what he's warning them about hey don't wait verse 35 then said the jews among themselves whither will he go that we shall not find him will he go unto the dispersed among the gentiles and teach the gentiles hey the jews failed to understand they totally 
failed to understand what the Lord was trying to tell them. They thought, well, where he's going to go to another town. He's going to go preach somewhere to another synagogue, going to go hang out with the Gentiles and teach them. They did not realize that Jesus was on his way going back to heaven. Amen. And that is where he is at today. Of course, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. In a jail cell, in the White House, in a penthouse, in a mansion, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. There's not one thing that you can hide from him, not even your own thoughts. And they didn't realize that hey that the lord he's going back to heaven they totally misunderstood him but did they do it on purpose many that don't understand the bible many that reject jesus many atheists it doesn't matter how much proof you give them they choose not to believe and the same with many other people even people that are not atheists they choose not to believe because you see if the, you believe there's a god then you must think that you, you must believe that you have to answer to that God for the life that you live. Amen. And that is right because that is according to the Bible. John chapter 7 and verse 36. What manner of saying is this? That he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Hey, what did he mean? When he said that they should seek him and they would not be able to find him. That's what they're saying. What What is he talking about? What does he mean we're going to look for him and we can't find him? He's right here. He's not going to get out of our eyesight. We're going to track him down. We're going to follow him. What does he mean he can just leave and get away from us and we can't follow him? Where could he go without, well, how could he get away from us? The Jews illustrate the blindness of their unbelief. They're blinded. Hey, before you're, you were saved, or if you are not saved, the Bible says you are blinded. Amen. Men love darkness is what the Bible says. And so they are willfully blind a lot of times. They just pull the wool over their own eyes because they love their sin because men love darkness. And hey, there is no heart as dark as the heart that refuses to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because Jesus is light. And when he moves in, that light moves inside of you. Amen. And so they did not want to accept the Lord Jesus, and therefore they could not because they didn't want him. And many, see, many, many want God's blessings. Many want God to open up the windows of heaven and bless their life and put their hand on him and open up all kind of doors. Even rock stars and, and singers get up and say at the end of the show, God bless you, good night. Why in the world would they say that at, at a rock concert? Because everybody wants God's blessings. That's why. But God's blessings are only for God's people. Amen. You must belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Don't you love that? Don't you love that verse? Out of his belly 
shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. I love that. Rivers of living water. Jesus is that living water. If you go back to John chapter 4 and verse 14, he tells you, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What is that? What is that well that springs up of everlasting life? That well that flows rivers of living water. The Bible says that that is the Holy Spirit. You see, the moment that you're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. In other words, a piece of God himself. Just like when you have a child, that child is a piece of you. Yeah, it's a part of you. It's a piece of you. And you see, when you get saved, you belong into God's family. The Holy Spirit moves in and a piece of God resides within you. And that is that well that springs up. That is that well that rivers flow of everlasting water, of living water. Amen. And there's not enough teaching about the Holy Spirit because the Bible has a lot to say about it. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope. What? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Where does all that come from? The joy, the peace, the hope. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it tells you what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? That's the peace of God in you. The power of God in you. Amen. And God wants to use you to do his work, his will, be his hands, be his feet. Amen. Amen. He certainly does. And where do you get comfort? You get comfort from that Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16 tells you that, that he'll, I shall give you another comforter, comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's there to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you, to love you, to, to cry out what is true. Amen. Hey, see, when a preacher's preaching or you're reading the Bible, that's the Holy Spirit that's in you that's crying out. That is true. That is true. That is true. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 tells you, know ye not? that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Isn't that amazing that God loves you enough to put a piece of himself inside of you? The Bible says that when you get saved, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. How does he seal you? With a piece of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that no man can pluck him out of my father's hand. You're not gonna lose it. Hey, it's a gift. You didn't earn it. God give it to you and you are not going to lose it. Amen. And he gives you that promise with a peace of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 tells you, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Where does the power come to preach? From the Holy Ghost. From the Holy Spirit. Where does the power come to witness? From the Holy Spirit. Where does the power come to live the Christian life? From the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Hey, by reading your Bible, by praying, by going to church, by listening to preaching, hey, you are strengthening the Holy Spirit with inside of you, and that is your relationship with God Almighty. John chapter 15 verse 26 tells you, but when the comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, 
which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Amen. The comforter, the comforter, that Holy Spirit. Who doesn't want a comforter? Who doesn't want to be comforted to say everything's going to be all right? Even if you take your last breath, if you get in a car wreck, if you get a heart attack, if you get cancer, if you don't make it through the night, hey, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. Hey, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I beg of you today, if you don't know him, that you repent of your sins, that you turn to his finished work in the cross, and you put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352 352- Two four seven nine two zero zero. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.